Brian Nichols, you're a great man with some great ideas, a great podcast. Do you see why he's my favorite libertarian people? <laughs> yes. He's full of common sense and wisdom. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. Today I'm joined by easily one of the best of the best, Matt Kibbe. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian. It's good to be with you. By the way, let me take a step back and say I love what you're doing. I love the conversational style, and it's a combination of good fun and serious ideas. I love the fact that your show's doing what it does, and, and this is how we win the future. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. There's so many things that we can do to make America freer and the world better and safer and more peaceful. Everybody has the responsibility of trying to help to do that. You know, what you're doing with your podcast is a perfect example of, you know, you're doing this as a labor of love and for the cause, and that is exactly what we have to have. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Hey folks, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us again for another, yes, fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. And hopefully you enjoyed last week's episode with J.W. Weatherman from MathBot.com. I know I did because as someone who hated math growing up, it was it was great for me to actually look and say, ha, there's hope. Uh, so if you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's episode, please uh, take a second and go back and listen to the episode. And of course, share with family and friends. And if you could do a special favor for me, Go over to mathbot.com and tell JW that Brian sent you from the Brian Nichols Show. Uh, but on to this week's episode. So we are now going to have another fun bonus episode. This is from my appearance on Keaton Tucker's Freedom Strips podcast. Now, Keaton is a friend of the show, and uh, it was an honor and a pleasure to go onto his show to discuss why capitalism is so misunderstood. Uh, namely, we'll discuss uh, why folks are so transfixed, so excited about the one, the only AOC, uh, but also why there seems to be a growing popularity of socialism here in the United States and uh, what we can do to hopefully fix this negative perception of capitalism by explaining it the right way. So with that, folks, if you enjoy today's episode, please do me a favor as well and go tell Keaton Tucker you enjoyed his show, subscribe to his show, and tell him that Brian Nichols sent you. Also, um, this is one little ask I, I wanted to give to you folks. If you could, please go out of your way and make a one-time PayPal donation to The Brian Nichols Show, or if you could, go to our Patreon and become a, uh, a $5 a month subscriber. The reason I ask that, folks, is because that's how we keep the lights on. That's how we keep The Brian Nichols Show having these weekly podcasts that you guys have come to know and love, You know, to be able to keep producing this content you enjoy. Peek behind the curtain, full disclosure, we have a phenomenal, I love that word, phenomenal list of guests that are going to be coming on the Brian Nichols show here in the next few months uh, from a lot of folks within the liberty movement that you know and love. And uh, I mean, hey, I'm not saying they're a sitting U.S. congressman, but they might be a sitting U.S. congressman. Uh, so <laughs> I said too much as it is. So folks, if you like what you're hearing at the Brian Nichols show, again, that one-time PayPal donation, if that's easier, it's the Brian Nichols show altogether. The Brian Nichols Show at gmail.com. Again, that one-time PayPal donation. Or you can go ahead and find us over on our Patreon. Every little bit helps, guys. So for all those who have already helped contribute to The Brian Nichols Show or you're one of our monthly subscribers, thank you. And to those of you who are on the edge, 
I hope that you uh, you enjoy the content regardless. And, uh, you know, I, I want you to know that regardless, I'm going to keep on doing this out of the labor of love because I think it's so important that we have these guests on, that we have these conversations. Um, so with that, folks, on to the show, my appearance on Keaton Tucker's Freedom Strips here on The Brian Nichols Show. I'd be listening to the mainstream media and just be left frustrated on how they covered these stories. They would completely ignore facts just to promote their own agenda. I said, man, I could do a better job than these fools. I should start my own show. So I did. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Freedom Strips. I'm your host, Keaton Tucker. My guest today is the host of The Brian Nichols Show. He's one of the shows in my uh, podcast rotation. I really enjoy listening to him. Uh, Brian Nichols, thank you for being here, sir. Absolutely, Keaton. Thank you so much for having me on. And the intro, man, if there's ever an intro to get you jacked up, like I just came back from the gym. I was doing shoulders today. I should have had your intro just on repeat. <laughs> would have gotten me all jacked up. It was great. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, um, I put a little bit of work into it. It wasn't too much, but I, uh, I enjoy the intro too. So it's a fairly new thing. But uh, I appreciate beat. that. Drop that beat. Remember that old vine of the uh, the two? I think they're uh, they're Sikh gentlemen, and they're in their car, and the beat drops. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that that's what it felt like right there. So that, yeah, it's great. Drop the beat. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Brian, why don't you uh, give the listeners a little bit of your background, kind of introduce yourself, as well as give them a little bit of background on the Brian Nichols Show. Absolutely. So I am the host of the Brian Nichols Show on the We Are Libertarians Network. Uh, Keaton informs me that my dear leader, Chris Spangle, uh, joined him back for his last episode. So you guys should be familiar with the network. But if you're not, uh, We Are Libertarians is based out of Indiana, uh, Indiana and uh, it's got a great number of shows on the network, including the main show, We Are Libertarians, uh, The Boss Hog of Liberty with Jeremiah Morrill, which talks about more local politics in Indiana. Uh, and then there's my show, which is The Brian Nichols Show. So uh, I like to say we're a political show for anyone and uh, everyone. The main goal of my show is to leave my audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And as cheesy as that sounds, well, yeah, it is. Uh, I try to have people from all means of political thought in my show. So from those in the far left to the far right and all those in between, uh, my audience is very diverse. I have, yes, a lot of libertarians that listen to my show, but I actually have a lot of uh, moderates and believe it or not, quite a few Democrats and, and some Democratic socialists uh, who also listen to my show. So the, the main thing about my show is I try to bring people on to my show who can discuss the topics or the, the news or the issues that you care about in an objective manner and to really explain what their specific position is on the issues so you can better understand where they're coming from. So uh, that's kind of my show in a nutshell. Um, if, if you're interested in, in listening to my show, folks, it's uh, The Brian Nichols Show. You can find it on uh, really anywhere where podcasts are, are, are found. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been an honor and it's been a privilege to, uh, to join Chris over on his network and uh, it's been a blast too, so far about a year and uh, a year and a half now doing my show. And we've had some great guests on from, I mean, Larry Sharp, Matt Kibbe, Jeffrey Tucker, Adam Kokesh, uh, all those in between. Um, it's, it's been, it's been a heck of a ride and going to 2020, I just, I have a even better feeling to get. It's getting wilder and crazier in the best of ways. Yeah, it's going to get even better. And it's funny that, um, you know, I was I listened to a couple of your episodes where you did interview several of the libertarian candidates and and mm -hmm. uh, Larry, Larry Sharp's always fun to listen to. I kind of talked briefly with Chris about Larry Sharp and, and uh, what he was doing in 
New York. Um, he had a lot of interesting ideas and, and he really, um, you know, he didn't uh, make that big of a dent in New York, but he actually made more of a dent in New York than has happened in yes. really any any time for a third party candidate over there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm from New York State and never has a third party candidate for running for governor really made that much. Well, uh, that's kind of true. Because um, back in 2010, or I'm sorry, yeah, 2010, uh, Carl Palladino ran as, I think he was the, the Tea Party. It, no, it was, it was something along the lines of like being a Tea Party candidate against Cuomo, but I think he ran against a Republican too. I could be wrong, but otherwise, no, yeah, Larry, what he did um, as a libertarian hasn't been done in New York State in, I don't think, ever. Um, New York State's a weird state where you have to get 50,000 votes just to be on the uh, the ballot for any other elected office. So uh, so Larry was able to accomplish that with his his success. So uh, and, and that that's huge for libertarians because then they don't have to go out of their way to, to raise money to then go and you know get onto the ballot and, and you know go around circulating petitions and such. So to have Larry's success in New York was incredibly important. So, yeah, kudos to Larry and what he was able to accomplish for sure. Yeah, no, he's a fun guy to listen to too. And he's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of hype in the Libertarian Party as as far as uh, especially that last oh, yeah. election. There was a lot of talk going around with him. Um, one of the topics, really the main topic, I wanted to talk. Uh, the reason why I brought you on, Brian, was the the fact that socialism is continuing to grow in popularity in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. It is very obvious that there has been a increase in popularity with this um, ever since the 2016 election with Bernie Sanders coming in um, and it yep. has just continued to snowball um, yep. and and what I worry is if this doesn't go unchecked and if people don't actually get educated onto what capitalism is and and why people have these negative views towards capitalism and start to entertain the idea of socialism um, we could be going on a path that um, is going to be very hard to turn back from. Absolutely. Um, true. So kind of starting out, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is, is one of the, uh, as Ben Shapiro calls her, the fresh faces uh, of the Democratic Party. So fresh, so face. So fresh, so face. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, AOC is a topic that comes up very often Um in my show, at least it seems like, which is uh, still a very new show, but she comes up very often in many other shows as well. Um, I've battled with myself about bringing up AOC as often as I do, just because I feel like I'm going to be giving her more credibility to her name and her ideas. But I, you know, the more I think about that, the more I I know that that's not true because if you look at the mainstream media, uh, they're already doing a hell of a job at that. You know, you, you look at, um, the, the mainstream media headlines every time that woman utters a sentence and it, she's plastered up onto there. Um, right. You know, you see, you see the, the media claiming that the right is obsessed with her, but they are obviously plastering this woman up on, up on every uh, media outlet available. It's, it's literally the definition of gaslighting essentially. Yes, absolutely. For sure. You know, and, and, you know, I've made the, the leap to start this new show and to speak the truth uh, to the best of, uh, my ability, but you know, I can only do so much. And, and that's why I want to bring, um, people like you on Brian to, to kind of help, uh, I don't know, speak truth to what capitalism actually is. And so, you know, which this kind of brings us to some of the videos that's been circulating around this week. And that was when 
Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did an interview at South by Southwest this week. Um, and it went about exactly as you thought uh, it would go. Um, so she attacked moderates. So she attacked people that had moderate stances. Um, she went after capitalism, calling it an irre- irredeemable system. Um, and even Bill Nye, the uh, gender is a construct guy, uh, showed up. So it was a little bit uh, weird. Did you see any of these videos? Oh, yeah. No, I I, I did. And I tried to erase it right from my memory as soon as I could because it's just it's so full of um, inaccuracies. And I think it's it's not a matter of her being willful, willfully ignorant. I think it's a matter of she knows that she's saying something that's not true and she doesn't care because she wants to promote her ideology over the truth, yeah. um, which is what like what capitalism actually is, what the free market actually is. Yeah. And so one of the videos I wanted to play, I want to kind of hit on on those three points that I kind of brought up earlier about her attack on, on moderates, her attack on capitalism and her definition of capitalism. Um, and really, let me see if I can share my screen with you here. Because what I want to do is, here we go. I want you to be able to watch this and view <laughs> this. She is. Yeah, there she is. Uh, so this is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her critique on moderates. It's like this, like, it feels like moderate is not a stance. It's just an attitude toward life of, like, <laughs> well, don't, don't hold back. Tell me how you really feel about incrementalism. <laughs> but the thing that... But here's the thing that upsets me is that we've become so cynical that that we view meh or uh or we view cynicism as an intellectually superior attitude. And we view ambition as youthful naivete when we think about the greatest things we have ever accomplished as a society have been ambitious acts of vision. And the meh is like worship now for what? Like for what? Um. So, Ryan, your thoughts. <laughs> She's conflating um, ambition with an idealistic view almost of a utopian society. Um, and she's also conflating the meh, as she was so eloquently phrasing it, yeah. um, with an acceptance and a pragmatic view of reality. So she's so she's obviously referring to her Green New Deal, which was absolutely and rightfully so lambasted by pretty much everyone except for those on, on the left. And her, I mean, for those of you who aren't aware of what the Green New Deal it is, complete fantasy. I mean, it is talking about uh, getting rid of, um, was it getting rid of uh, all houses that don't have yeah. renewable Completely energy. retrofitting every house that has uh, uh, gas. Getting rid of cows, um, trying to get rid of pretty much any tr- form of transportation that could possibly <laughs> use fossil fuels. I, and, and the timeline for this was, was I think, what, like 10 years, 10 years or something stupid yeah. like that. So she's she's trying to conflate this ambition that she's referring to with this utopian mindset, and, and it's it's unrealistic. It truly is unrealistic because not only would it cripple our economy, but it also would yeah. harm the very people that she's claiming to want to 
defend and to protect, yeah. which is going to be the the lowest in the the class system, if you will. Those are the most impoverished in a society because they can't afford these brand new fancy things that she's so uh, so eloquently saying that we're going to have. Um, now, obviously, she's going to make the argument, well, that's why we need to tax the wealthy and tax the rich. I had Max Gulker, who is an economist over at American Institute for Economic Research on my show, and he showed that the the cost of, of what she's saying that we should do is is almost double of what um, her her original expectations were. Yeah. And then showed it showed how many people would actually be negatively impacted from uh, this Green New Deal. And because they're not able to afford the the new demanded and and really it's regulated way of life Mm -hmm. that she's looking to promote so uh, i think it's absolutely uh foolish of her and those who are in support of the green new deal to to say that people who don't like it are simply the meh group and they don't have ambition it's it's we're saying no 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 we're it's unrealistic and there's better alternatives to what you're promoting that don't destroy our economy that don't hurt the, the the poor so we're not saying it's not it's not you shouldn't do something it's not using government force not using the the power of the purse to destroy our economy in the name of trying to do something good it's it, it it's like if you're going to be driving you know 100 miles an hour down the the interstate yeah you're ambitious you're going to get to where you want to get faster <laughs> but you also might crash into a tree and, and go into a fiery wreck yeah like that's just reality it's not in the person saying meh they're not saying that because they they don't have ambition they're saying I don't want you to crash and die in a fiery car wreck. Yeah. So I think I think that's where the disconnect is. And I again, I don't know if it's her being willfully ignorant or she truly is. She's in this mindset. She's so focused on getting her message and getting her narrative across to actually implement policy that she's going to knowingly ignore basic facts, truths, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, I, I, it's it's completely unbelievable that something like that actually was proposed. Um, you know, I, I went over with, with, uh, I believe I went over with my friend Matt Bell when he was on and, and there was an estimate that came out that the, it was around $96 trillion was the estimate Correct. over 10 years. Um, that was about $680,000 for each American household. Um, it's just not feasible. Uh, and, and the fact that she's attacking moderates and people with a moderate position, um, is, is pretty laughable. Um, because that's, that's a reason, a extremely reasonable thing to go eh, when you're proposing, uh, replacing airplanes with rail trains, for instance. And you know what's sad? I, I mean, I remember, I'm old enough to remember 10 years ago when Al Gore said that if we didn't do something, just the, the generic do something, okay, we were, we were going to have, you know, no polar ice caps by, by 2015. Yeah. We were going to have, you know, the polar bears swimming in the Arctic Ocean. New York was no going to be underwater. Exactly. Like, you know, the, the what, what's in uh, Ghostbusters, you know, uh, what's Bill Murray's line? Cuts and dogs living together. Mass <laughs> hysteria. Like that was what we were told yeah. back in the early 2000s. And oh my gosh, we're in 2019 and uh, somehow we, we're still alive. I mean, I was supposed to be dead from net neutrality and from the tax cuts. It's amazing. And, this, it? I, and I'm still alive and I, I live in the, one of those liberal cities in the world in, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So I don't know how I'm still alive, but yeah. here I am somehow. And I, it, it just, it's so frustrating because we get into this mindset. If we don't do something now, X is going to happen. And it brainwashes these kids. Like, did you see that video of all those kids going to the center of fine signs office? And they're like, we, we need to do something because it's our future. And, and I, I never agree with Diane Feinstein, but she's like, 
no yeah that i'm i'm I, like no this you're being used as a pawn like stop and uh and she got lambasted for her response she to that sure did she's she's saying just common sense like it's not gonna be the end of the world in 10 years this this scare tactic approach has been used so many times that it's like the boy who cried wolf nobody's paying attention because yeah. you cried wolf so many times and God, for, you know, it's going to be one time. Yes, we need to change what we're doing as a society and how we impact the, the environment and, and limiting our pollution and our carbon footprint. But it's when you keep on saying that this, if we don't do it now, the end of the world is here. And I'm saying way over here yeah. or right here next to us, people, are, they grow numb to it because they're like, well, it didn't happen last time. So, I mean, yeah. it's just, it, I think she's a, she's completely ignoring um, the, the, the well, basic realities of history. And, and what's been threatened in the past and, and where, you know, the reality is what, what actually happened and why people are so skeptical and, and they don't don't take her seriously. Yeah. It, well, it's pretty incredible. She she also claimed that uh, capitalism was irredeemable um, as a as a system itself, which mm-hmm. I, I think one of the main uh, main reasons for that is that people are conflating crony capitalism with capitalism. And I want to get your thoughts on that uh, right after we hear it straight from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez kind of explaining what her definition of capitalism actually is. Um, Isn't to me is it's an ideology of capital. It puts capital. The most important thing is the concentration of capital and it means that we seek and prioritize profit and the accumulation of money above all else, and we seek it at any human and environmental cost. That is what that means. And to me, that no. ideology is not sustainable and cannot be redeemed. You know, just as there's all this fear mongering that government is going to take over every corporation and government is going to take over every business or every form of production. Um, we should be scared right now because corporations have taken over our government. And the mindless seals clapping along. In my opinion, we should be wary of any entity in which both of those things are combined, whether it's through one way or the other. Um, and that's why the emphasis in democratic socialism is on democracy. Ah. She, she doesn't even realize that she just contradicted herself. She did. Literally, in, in in one breath, she contradicted herself. We should be wary of any system that combines one with the other, which is why we should have a system that where government and, and business all encompasses together. Yes. What? Surprise. Oh, she just makes my skin crawl. She's like, you, know, you ever watch Family Guy? Yeah. Where, uh, remember Brian's dating, um, what's her name, the blonde, and, uh, and, and Brian's in the car with Stewie going to break up with her, and he's like, you know... You know how she always ends every sentence with like a question, like at the end of every sentence. <laughs> that's who she reminds me of. It's like she. Oh, ugh. can we stop <sighs> pretending like this woman is some educated intellectual ideologue? Like this is she's not unbelievable. No, it's really not, and that's not capitalism at all. That that is crony capitalism, which she's talking about with the big government in bed with big business. And that gets conflated with what capitalism actually is. That is not capitalism. Why don't you explain? Be, if, if, say, if I, if, before I can, yeah. I want to make sure people realize, too, it's not saying that it's because she's a woman. Because I know that the card always gets pulled out like, oh, you're saying she's a stupid woman? Right. I've had, I've had dozens of women on my show, very intelligent women. I'm just My last episode, I had Dr. Mary Ruer, who was one of the leading um, scientists when looking at the effects of how fish oil helps with... Um, the ability for your your joints, I forget, because she's a lot smarter than I am, and she's talking about what this does, and I'm like, okay, that's 
great. Um, I trying to understand what you're saying, uh, but uh, but like. I hate that argument. And I like to nip that in the bud before we yeah. get, like people start having that as the initial straw man they're going to throw up as why we disagree with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's not because she's a woman. It's because her ideas are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. And, and and I want you to kind of um, go through a little bit and kind of outline what crony capitalism is for our listeners who may mm-hmm. not know what crony capitalism is and what capitalism actually is. Because what we actually have right now going on in some forms is true capitalism but a lot of it is crony and that's why a lot of uh, a lot of this is is coming up right now where these people are kind of confused at the system that we have currently and it's not because capitalism is growing out of control it's crony capitalism growing out of control and that is because the right. government's power is growing out of control so can you outline yeah. that a little bit for the listeners for sure so i think it's important to first uh define what a a free market in a capitalistic system would look like so a free market is where uh Buyers and uh, or buyers and sellers essentially can engage in voluntary contracts between each other, which would be, um, you know, uh, Keaton, you have uh, a pen and I have a pencil. I really, though, want the pen. So you and I agree that I'm going to give you X, whatever it may be. It might be giving you the pencil to you or it might be giving you a form of currency to you in exchange for that pen. So now we both had a mutually beneficial uh, relationship where you are walking away with something you find of value and I'm walking away with something that I find of value. So in a free market society, we'll, we'll say, uh, we'll just use companies as an example, have the ability to sell whatever product it may be. Um, you know, let's say it's widgets, for example. Um, and anybody in the society can can go in and purchase the widgets so long as there's a, a demand for the widgets. Um, so if I'm selling a widget and it's I'm selling it for too expensive of a, of a cost, then people aren't going to buy it. But if, if you're selling widgets um, on your own and you're selling better widgets or less expensive widgets that will start taking my consumer base away from me, then I need to figure out a way to change my product or to ch- uh, change my value statement to show the value of what I'm selling relative to yours to then try to earn customers back. Um, so in a, in a roundabout way, that's the idea of what a free market would look like. Now, what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is describing as a free market is is not a free market at all. It's it's crony capitalism, as as Keaton had mentioned. And for crony capitalism, it's government then taking a step into the marketplace and picking winners or losers based on the influence that the other person within the market was able to buy. So uh, let's take, for example, the situation I mentioned with widgets, right? So in that situation, let's say I noticed that you came into the marketplace and you were selling uh, your widgets at a less expensive price, and damn it, your widgets are a lot better than mine, and I just can't figure out how the heck I'm going to be able to compete with you. So what I end up doing is I know that my best friend is getting ready to run for city council. So I say to my my best friend, well, listen, I'm going to help support you running for city council, and when you get into office, I'll, I'll find ways to help support you as well, so long as you're able to create legislation that will get Keaton out of the widget business, or at the very least try to, to minimize the damage he's done on me. Okay, my best friend says sure. So best friend gets elected, he's in office, and he pushes for legislation that will make it that you have to have a license within the city to sell a widget. Now, he's going to make that law so that it's actually only if you've been selling widgets for under a year. Well, I'm fine because I've been selling widgets for about five mm-hmm. years and I had I had the market and and you just started here three months ago trying to sell widgets and and oh, oh I'm sorry, because now you have to go and you have to go through a process to get a license through the city to to get 
your your widget selling license. Yeah. So you have to now jump through all the hoop the the, the hoops and and the the loopholes within the city bureaucracy to try to make it so you can get your your license. But you know you have to spend months waiting in line uh, or waiting to hear back. And in the meantime, you're not able to sell your widgets, and I'm able to reap all the benefits that now I'm the only game in town. So, in a roundabout way, that is what the difference would be between a truly free market and a crony capitalist market. Um, yeah. So I hope I hope that kind of explained in, a, in an easy to understand way. So I know sometimes people do conflate this mm. uh, willingly or, or or not. So hopefully that kind of explained a little bit uh, clear as to what the true distinction is. It's, it's a matter of whether or not the government's picking the winner through some regulatory or some license or, or you know, trying to set some tax rate or whatever it may be that would uh, decentivize people from entering a marketplace or making it difficult for those within the marketplace to continue to be competitive. They would be otherwise in a free market setting. Yeah. Well, actually, another good example of, of just that is with Amazon lobbying to increase the minimum wage now. They've caved to mm-hmm. the government yep. to increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour. And you think, oh, hey, you know, good for Amazon. They're increasing the minimum wage. They're paying people more at $15 an hour. Yep. Why would they be lobbying the government to do uh, that with other companies? Well, it's almost as if, yeah, it's almost as if they know that other companies can't afford to pay the fifteen minimum dollar wage. That's exactly so it. If they can set the price, at, well, you know, it should be fifteen dollars per hour for the minimum wage. Then guess what? We're the only game in town that can pay the fifteen dollar minimum wage. And it's funny how um, Amazon and and you know the other larger entities that have been supporting that are already in the marketplace where they have you know the the market share. I mean, yep. let's let's take, take look at the other example of Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. It's like uh, Mark Zuckerberg sitting there in, in before Congress, and he's like, "Yeah, let let me help you write the regulations for this. I'd love to help you write the regulations to to regulate telecom or to regulate um social media." And it's like, oh, Mark Zuckerberg, the owner of literally the largest social media platform ever <laughs> in the world, wants to help regulation to yeah. to make him to regulate himself, or is it to regulate other people from entering the market to be a competitor? That's right. Hmm, I wonder. Yeah, absolutely. He's wanting to uh, to hedge his bets. Yep. He's wanting to to get a hold on the market using the the government. It's actually uh, it's interesting. You brought up um, uh, New York earlier. Um, there was an article that came out just the other day this week that New York is on the brink of bankruptcy. So, and they need money and they need money fast. And it's, you know, man, if only there was a company that could bring a large influx of cash into New York that could it's save New idea. York. Hmm. And their owner's name rhymes with, uh, Beth Bevos. I wonder who that could be. <laughs> yeah. But okay. Mm. And, and like, to make it so, I know there's a lot of libertarians who don't like the uh, the Amazon deal, and rightfully so, because it was uh, structured a lot on crony capitalism itself, because it was built to have. They're giving subsidies. them tax breaks that they weren't giving small businesses either. Exactly, yeah. which is which is wrong. Yes, but then you look at okay, let's just ignore. Yes, it's wrong. I'm agreeing with you. Like, let's get rid of that premise. Let's go to the next step, though. You're you're now pushing a company away that was going to bring th- like what was it twenty five thousand jobs twenty five thousand to, to forty thousand yeah. Yeah, to, to your market where 
it's going to encourage the 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 it's going to encourage the the taxpayer to to get out more to number one they have to spend more money in their taxes but to actually spend money in the, the economy yeah now and i i believe taxation is theft so i'm not going to uh, to you know, endorse <laughs> the idea of taxation but let's be real new york state is the worst state when it comes to um the the taxes people are leaving yes, in we, droves they're coming to florida thousand people per year they, they like thousand people per year they're coming we're going to the sunshine to state they like the warm weather and the li- no no. I'm from upstate New York. I'm used to negative 40 winters. It sucked. <laughs> like negative 40 and 14 feet of snow. No, screw that. Like I'm getting out And of high taxes. Just put the taxes right on top of there. Oh yeah. I mean, property tax, income tax, sales tax. It's it's through the freaking roof. And then put on top of it, like it's so anti-business. I mean, the regulatory state in New York is out of control. It's so bad. And uh, yeah, like literally 100,000 people per year are leaving New York state because Man. it is so bad. And all of a sudden, Andrew Cuomo's like, huh, I don't have this uh, tax base to support all these lofty programs. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to tax people more to make up for. It. Oh, that 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 yeah, that makes sense. Not not the, the common sense thing, which would be to cut spending because you no longer have the money to pay for right. it. But, you know, government doesn't live by by, you know, real economic rules and principles. But oh, that, no, uh, no, they're, they're not going to cut spending. They just need to get more money so that they can exactly. spend more. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> So, yeah, so perverse. It is is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And and going along with uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, um, showing up at South by Southwest, she had another person show up at her interview, um, called Bill Nye, the Science Guy, something like that. <laughs> anyway, so let's take a look here and listen in to what Bill Nye had to say. I'm sure it's so enlightening and. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. I think this has to be the last one, as okay. we've, we've gone over, but I think I recognize this. Oh, my gosh! Reading! <laughs> hey! Science! Oh, wow. Science! <laughs> wow, greetings, everyone. Oh, my goodness, this is amazing. Greetings. This oh, is so nice. Oh, oh uh, it's good to see you all. I can't <laughs> take selfies with everyone. Uh, Keep in mind, uh, here's what I think's going on. I want to ask the question in two ways. As you may know, uh, I'm a white guy. <laughs> I belong. What? That's shocking. Oh my God. Bill Nye's white? <laughs> Breaking news my childhood everyone. was a lie. <laughs> Jeez. I belong to two unions. Wow. But I think. I think. <laughs> I belong to two unions. Wow. Wow. She's wow. in love. Two unions? Most people uh, only have one union. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, the problem on both sides is fear. Yep. Uh, people uh, are afraid, people of my ancestry are afraid of having to pay for everything yeah. when, uh, as immigrants come into this country. People who come in, uh, the people who work at the diner in Alabama are afraid to try to ask for what is reasonable. Mm-hmm. So do you have a plan to work with people in uh, Congress that are afraid? And I think that's what's going on with many of the conservatives, especially when it comes to climate change. Mm-hmm. People are just afraid of what will happen if we try to make these big changes. Mm-hmm. And I remind everyone, uh, uh, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 8 of the U.S. Constitution refers to the progress of science and useful arts. So when we address climate change, 
We're going to have clean water access uh, to the internet and renewable electricity for everyone on Earth. Let's go. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. God. I, and to think I used to, to watch him every day after school growing up. And I was like, man, I want to grow up and be like Bill Nye. And now I'm so glad I didn't. No wonder. Like, he, he just he took his his imaginary role as a scientist. He's a mechanical engineer. He's not even a, like a, a, a right. scientist. He's not a climate scientist. He's, he's a mechanical engineer, which not, you know, that's not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just that he's pretending yes. that he's he's more than he is. It, it'd be like. Listen, it is I a character on a show, essentially. Say, this, this is going to be like a dated reference, but like, and probably not PC anymore with, with all that happened. But like, it'd be like looking at Kevin Spacey as like, oh, he, well, you know, he played Frank Underwood. So he's definitely somebody you should take political advice from. Right. Yeah. No, no, not the same thing because he played a role. That's what Bill Nye did. Yeah. And he's using that and he's he's taking this weird um, this weird thing that happens with millennials where like we have this 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 infatuation with yesteryear. So like look, look at all the movies that are coming out right now. You got Dumbo, Aladdin, The Lion King. They mm. are literally just like rehashing all millennial <laughs> childhood. And then yeah. you have a guy like Bill Nye who, who he grips on to this this infatuation with yesteryear. And he's like, oh, I think I can make myself famouser again. Because they're looking for me again. And and he becomes a thing again. Using the title of a guy who played a scientist on TV for kids. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. And the fact that he goes, I think it's hilarious that he goes and quotes the uh, the Constitution. It's it's basically what he quoted was Article 1, Section 8, Clause 8 is, is intellectual property. It's an intellectual right. property. Um, but he's trying to use that as like a, a hedge for this is why the government should should take over industries and, and force their way into glim- global climate change and to fix this mess. And then we're going to have free Internet, free, uh, clean water. And, and oh, my God, like See, clean like telecom. And as they believe it or not, like Internet, it's not just like a free thing. Like there are companies who have server farms across the nation just to be able to support the infrastructure right. that is required to provide the internet. And it's amazing. You know what's, you know what's amazing is that the FCC released their numbers this year and the internet speeds have gone up by 40% yeah. over the past year. I saw that. For your average person. And I I swear, I remember a tweet from someone, I don't remember who they were, but they seemed like a really smart person where it had like broken down, you know, could you imagine this is the internet? Twitter, 1995 per month. Facebook, seven ninety five per month. Your internet speed section at this, 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 and this, and you have to pay, you know, a hundred fifty dollars, two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars. And it's like, hmm, you know, that's weird. If anything, internet speeds have gone up, prices have gone down. I still use Twitter for free. I still use Facebook for free. It's almost like a scare. They're using a scare tactic to scare me into believing something. So I'll use my emotions and make an emotional response yep. and vote for something in an emotional way instead of looking at it logically and rationally. Yeah, it's like. It's like they're doing the same thing with the Green New Deal. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. So Surprise. weird. Oh, my God. Yeah, the world is ending in 12 years. So vote for my <laughs> ideas because nobody else is coming up with them. And we'll be dead anyway. So just, what's, what do you have to lose? That's what's right? so funny about it, man. It's just like if that were true, if the world was ending in 12 years, if we had an asteroid coming in beeline towards Earth, would we be talking about wealth inequality and all of this other nonsense no we'd be focusing on the giant rock about to hit earth like how do we destroy this freaking rock that's going to literally blow our yeah into a smith yeah it's it's a mess not, man and i'm yeah. not saying that we shouldn't do anything which we already you know if we actually wanted to do something that if, if we let government get their boot off of the free market and just let technology expand in the free market automation and everything else is cutting down it's machines are getting more efficient there's less emissions going in as technology improves. It's it's going to fix itself. 
And and really, if you just get the government out of it, instead of just completely wrecking the entire economy and just taking over the whole caboodle, it, it would fix itself. It would, yeah. 100%. It, but the problem is, is that, so, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but like their solution for, like, let's just use the Green New Deal as an example because it's the most topical. The solution is so counterintuitive. It's like, they want to incentivize people to find alternative means of, I mean, improving the environment through their their actions. But then conversely, it's like getting rid of advances in technology that would that have actually shown, like we have specific data points to show that like that advance in technology helped improve things on a grand scale. It's like, it, I just don't know how they can have this cognitive dissonance to completely ignore things that are like verifiable truths, verifiable facts, data points just to fit their own narrative. It's, it's, it's mind boggling to me because I mean, it's not like a handful of people. Like there are millions of people who support her, who support Bernie Sanders. And they support this, this green new deal. They support democratic socialism, despite mountains of evidence to the contrary. I mean, one look no further than Venezuela to see just the tragedy of a, a socialist society. Yeah. It's in our backyard. It, it's just truly amazing to me that people cannot they cannot grasp the facts because it just goes against what their their belief system is. It's become a religion almost. It's like, well, you, I can't believe this because that's not what my Green New Deal Bible said. Like, can't do that. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, it is. Um, it's pretty wild when whenever you because there are tons of examples of socialism not working. But those aren't mm-hmm. real socialism. Oh, I hate that. I hate that so much. Yeah, they aren't real socialism. But they go and point to the Nordic countries, which aren't socialists. Aren't real socialism either. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're literally not real socialism. They're, they're capitalist societies with a pretty heavy welfare state. They're not socialist. And and it's it's so, again, mind-boggling to me that people will look at those and use those as examples when they're not socialism, despite literally countries next door to us who were so like truly socialist countries that are now complete hellholes where people are drinking sewage water just to try and get some form uh, of liquid yeah. for, for themselves. I saw that. Like I, so I had on my show uh, a girl named Hillary Andaluz Aguilar, and she is one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. She grew up in, com- in a communist, essentially, um, in socialist Venezuela, starting the with goal. the Chavez regime. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. Starting with the Chavez regime to the Maduro regime. And she remembered watching as Chavez move up the ranks the exact same propaganda that's being promoted now. Like this this um, class warfare between the rich and the poor, they have what we've earned. Um, the the use of this, um, you know, we're going to make the, the country better by making it more fair. Um, and, and this, really, it's the rhetoric that's been promoted of, yeah. of taxing the rich, taking down the rich, uh, make the society better, using the, the state to enforce uh, the equality. And with his winning and essentially people like Bernie Sanders or, or uh, Jeremy Corbyn who were you know, rabid fans of Venezuela because it was the success of socialism. Right. Like, oh, oh look, it, it, this is a country that democratic socialism works. It's like, really, Bernie? Well, you said that in 2013 when it was air quote working and then all of a sudden all the money ran out because people weren't you know buying Venezuelan oil and the, all the rich people moved away and now it's a complete hellhole. Yeah. But that's not... That doesn't they work nationalized out. every service, and so nobody wanted to invest in a country where the government was grabbing everything. And, and so Surprise. everybody had a pudding cup. Everybody had a pudding <laughs> cup. That's the Ben Shapiro go-to. <laughs> you know, all, all the pudding cups. Yeah, that's right. Where's the pudding? <laughs> uh, no, it, it's it's 
it's really kind of scary to to see what's happening with those um, those poor people in Venezuela. What do you what do you it's think horrifying. about? Um, I want to get your thoughts on this. What do you think about um, this guy that just kind of declares that he is the leader, and then all of a sudden, all these countries round behind him? Uh, 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 Guaido, Guaido, I believe is his name. Oh, the oh, interim um, so uh, quasi president. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like it, it definitely has a fishy feeling to it. I mean, he's because, got support. He's got a yeah, lot of people who, behind him. Yeah, but also look in our country who's supporting him too. Yeah, it's it's the Marco Rubios, it's mm-hmm. it's the John Boltons, and I'm like, hmm, interested. Like Lindsey Graham was like, we we need to take down, <laughs> we need to take down Maduro and support Guido Guado because he's. He's the, the right man for the job. It's like, well, Lindsey Graham also really, really liked bombing Syria and he Libya. He loves Iraq. his bombs. And yeah, like, hmm, I, I don't know if I really want to, uh, you know, just take you at your face value in your words. I might want to do some more research into this. And and I really, there's a lot of things that have been stifled coming from Venezuela. So I really, I haven't gotten a more objective view. I even asked Hillary when she was on my show. And she didn't know too much about it, honestly, mm. uh, just because it is so new and it just kind of happened out of nowhere where you had this this new election and this guy was <laughs> he named himself with the supporters, you know, yeah. the the alternative. And I think that's really what it comes down to is just he looks like he is the alternative to this just horrible regime in Maduro. So I think that might be more of what it is versus um, him actually having um, true supporters because of his ideas. Yeah. It's just like, we need, this guy sucks. It's like, okay, if you had Hitler and Bob, who are you going to pick? <laughs> Hitler or Bob? It's like, well, I don't think about Bob, but he's not Hitler, so let's go with Bob, yeah. right? I think that's kind of what it is right now. Yeah, it doesn't fix the root cause either. I mean, he's he, it's still, he's still a socialist as far as I know, and then and it's not really going to change the system that caused this problem at all. And I mean, mm-hmm. you see John Bolton already going on on all these uh, media outlets talking about the Venezuelan oil and how they're, they're ready for military conflict. And, and that was one of the things that I was, I was really hoping that that Trump would stay away from, Um, you know, he was talking to Rand Paul for a while and those talks just kind of fell through. You already see him kind of leaving troops in Syria, something like, I believe like 200 troops, in Syria, like that's just asking yeah, for trouble because you know what's going to happen if you just leave two hundred troops. They're going to get attacked, and it's just going to yep. cause us to go back in. That's all it is. Yep. is it's the insurance policy by the neocons. Yep. Uh, you know what's really astonishing too is that all of this, like all that we're talking about, isn't surprising. Like it's not like we're just like you know really you know, intellectually you know miraculous. It's that this has all happened. I mean. What's the expression? Uh, history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it certainly rhymes. Yeah. I'm, we've seen this happen before. We've seen the consequences of American intervention overseas. Um, I'm not. I'm not arguing. You know, I hate the argument. Like, oh, so you would just let Hitler kill all the Jews? It's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we have a constitutional means of declaring war, and it requires Congress to go and, and actually declare war. Yeah. Um, we haven't done that since 1945. Yeah. Like that's that's horrifying when you look at all the conflicts from the korean war all the way to where we are today overseas pretty much everywhere honestly we, we have troops stationed everywhere all over the world and no, yeah and it's never been done with a true declaration of war uh there's a reason it was supposed to be so difficult for us to get involved in foreign conflicts and i think we've gotten to the point we just don't care because everybody seems to be in this mindset now i say everybody the the voting public of you know let's say 40 is it 47% of American people who actually vote? The other 
you know, 53% just sit at home because they're like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. Um, they're in the mindset of it's, I, I don't really care about Congress. I just want, when, when we elect the president, we're electing the king and I want my king to do my things right. I mean, that's why you have people like your Bill Mitchells in the world, who I thought was a parody account for the longest time on Twitter, <laughs> but it turns out he's just a crazy boomer who believes all this nonsense. Yeah. And he, he, they just want their strongman. They, they want their version of their king. And you know what? Screw you other side. I don't care. And the rest of Americans are sitting along for the ride. Yeah, it's 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 pretty scary. And one of the things that I did want to bring up as well, there's a, there was a new Gallup poll uh, that mm. came out. And I just want to read a little bit from this. It says yeah. fewer than half of young Americans view capitalism positively. Americans aged 18 to 29 are as positive about socialism at 41 percent as they were about capitalism at 45 percent. This represents a 12-point decline in the young adults' positive views of capitalism in the past two years and marked a shift since 2010 when 68% viewed it positively. Meanwhile, young people's views of socialism have fluctuated somewhat year to year, but the 51% with a positive view today is the same as it is in 2010. However, like a 12-point decline in that. So this is, this is dropping dramatically and fast. And so, Brian, before we close, I want to get your opinion on what can um, what can we do to help facilitate this change and to help educate people on what real capitalism is, what crony capitalism is, and and really the the, the horrifying um, examples of what socialism can bring to America. We have to uh, speak to people not talk at people. We need to have conversations with people, not debate people. Um, so I had my show, Keith Rubino. He's a democratic socialist. He was on my show two weeks ago. And uh, and Keith and I had a very engaging uh, and sometimes a little intense conversation, but it was never a debate. It was a true conversation trying to ask genuine questions and try to get genuine answers. And I think what we need to, to do as libertarians or as conservatives or as Republicans, I don't care what you identify as. If you're somebody who's in favor of liberty, uh, I want you on my side. I want you to be able to to talk to people. And I think you're going to be able to find that the people on the other side of the aisle, they want the same things that we do. We They, they want people to be taken care of. They want a, a clean and healthy planet. Um, they want health care to, to be accessible for, for people across the nation. Um, they, they don't want us to, to, you know, be in poverty. The problem is, is how they get there. And I think we need to do a better job of showing how liberty is really the better way. And, and it's been proven. It's been documented over and over and over again of how successful liberty is in terms of actually accomplishing the goals that I think both sides of the aisle set forth. Um, it's, it's sad because it seems sometimes, and as we've discussed today, regardless of how much information we show to people, that they they you know just cannot accept it because it goes against their worldview. But we have a we have an advantage in the fact that there's I, I don't know if the number's right, but like you know over half of the American populace identifies as an independent or a moderate. Yeah. So that's a huge voting base that we can reach to, but we haven't. Uh, you look at the the you know, presidential primaries for the Democrats right now. And Joe Biden's expected to announce, and I'm almost guaranteeing that he will come in first, if if not first, in a close second or third, because he is the the moderate safe choice. He's the, you know, he's the return to normalcy almost. And people kind of want this normal feel. And 
those people who don't identify as a Democrat or Republican want to have that you know, those those basic needs that we talked about met, and they're just going to go to the person they think is going to be the best suited to to meet those needs. So that's why Ron Paul was so successful in 2012, especially yeah. with his presidential run, because he was speaking to those people beyond the you know the the far right Tea Partiers and then the far left Democratic Socialists. He was talking to people who you know what might have been middle of the road, and they heard something about foreign policy. He said. And about how us going into all these foreign interventions isn't isn't helpful. It, it actually ends up hurting us more than it helps. Yeah. And and we need to really have a, a come to Jesus moment about how we're going to approach foreign interventions. And they're like, you know what? He's kind of right. And like nobody else is having that rational conversation. Yeah. So I think as long as we can present ourselves as rational people with the ability to have rational conversations with people who don't necessarily agree with us, I think we got a real shot. But that requires us to get outside of our bubbles. It requires us to talk to people who don't agree with us. I know that's really alien for a lot of people within the libertarian movement because we we get stuck in our, our Facebook chats and our Facebook groups with all the other libertarians about how right we are. That doesn't accomplish <laughs> anything, though. It just, it just reaffirms that we're right. Yeah. But there's people out there who we can talk to who are just looking for an answer. Um, I, I'm hopeful, but I'm also uh, a little um, I'm a little nervous. Because I look at in that poll you mentioned in the past two years, twelve percent steep declined. Shift. Yeah, and and I mean, what happened two years two years ago? You had Bernie, and he came out. He, I mean, it hurts me to say this. I know a lot of libertarians are going to be upset, but it's the truth. Bernie Sanders so far has been incredibly more successful than Ron Paul was, and that's just oh, a fact. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Bernie Sanders has captivated the hearts and minds of millions of of these millennials and the millions of these Gen Zers because he's preaching to them the solution to the internal desire they have of wanting all these wonderful things to happen. But he's, he's doing it through this like dog and pony show of saying like, Oh, look at all this stuff I can get to you. And, and instead of saying, well, here's, you know, what's actually happening. We have to be the alternative voice and say, well, actually here's what's happening. And we want the same thing. And here's how we're going to get it. And we're going to base it on, you know, this, this logical, rational approach to, to economics, to how we as a society interact with one another through voluntary exchange once we're able to have those conversations with people, I think we're going to see a little bit of a change. But right now, we're not having that conversation. We're we're, we're lecturing, we're debating, we're not talking to them. Yeah. Um. You know, I, my my sincerest hope when I had Keith on my show was that he was going to share it with Democratic Socialist friends, and they were going to hear my side, mm. and they're going to be like, okay, you know, he's not Trump. That's like, yeah, you're right. I'm not Trump. And that's that's how they rationalize a lot of times. Like, right. oh, libertarians yeah. are just like Trump. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not at all. So like, if they can hear a different side. It's it's through that conversational approach. I think that's how we're going to win the future. We have to have those conversations that are uncomfortable. Until then, we're just going to keep going through this proverbial third place cycle of libertarians always, you know, coming in third, never really advancing uh, to the big kid table. And and no, and I'm going to end it with this: people will never take libertarians seriously until we take ourselves seriously. That requires us to act like adults, have conversations with people, not not yelling at people. And, and truly trying to listen and empathize where they're coming from, reflecting those those internal needs, isolating those needs and making sure you're, you're pinning down what the issue is and then giving your answer, not debating, just giving your answer what your solution would be. Until then, again, just round and round we go.
Yeah. Well, Brian, this has been a lot of fun. Hey, you, you said a lot of great stuff that I agree with. I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy listening to you. I'd love to have you back on the show sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, everybody. Thanks for taking uh, the time to listen to another episode of Freedom Strips, and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.